Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 53 of Musically Challenge, your weekly helping of random music conversation based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and with me, as always, is Chad Knight. Howdy! This week, we'll be giving you listeners a little tickle. Now, fret not, this is not a bad touch and will be HR appropriate. We're going to audibly reach out and try to tickle your funny bone. Now, we all know Weird Al is the king of parody and funny music, but he's far from the first person to release a comedy song of any kind. Musical comedy has been around since the beginning of recorded music, and while Al's is some of the best, there are tons of hilarious comedy and novelty tunes out there. We're not talking about comedy bits like Who's On First or Seven Words You Can Never Say on Television either. We're talking about legit songs that can and often will give people a laugh, or a chuckle, or maybe even a guffaw. Now, most people got their weekly fill of comedy and novelty songs via a weekly radio show done by Barrett Eugene Hansen, a.k.a. Dr. Demento! But the style of music was not just there, it was everywhere. This week, we're going to be giving some love to other artists that have done favorite comedy and novelty songs out there. There are going to be two limitations we'll be imposing. The first is that we won't be doing any parody songs, but rather original songs and performances. The second is that we won't be doing anything by Weird Al. While he is freaking amazing... We wanted to give some love to comedy people out there not named Yankovic. If you really want to hear our take on Weird Al, check out episode 42. Now, put on your squirt flower, rev up your joy buzzer, and get your rubber chicken ready while we get this show started. <laughs> squirt flower and joy buzzer? <laughs> rubber chickens. <laughs> hey, what you do in your off time is what you do in your off time. <laughs> so... First and foremost, before anything else, I have to say, I don't know about you, but this was probably one of the most difficult choices to edit down to seven. Yes, I could have went much further. Which we're going to have to do an episode number two on this one. Yeah, I think so. So, Hey, uh, it's the start of year two. It is. And how are you doing today? I am doing fine today. It's beautiful outside today. It is. And, and I think I might have even posted this. I said, uh, you know, we get this nice, perfect, beautiful day of warm and sunny and melting. And then Mother Nature is going to bend us over and... and Grow 12 us. inches on us over the next couple days. Right, exactly. <laughs> so... Should we just start with our liquored up? Yeah, absolutely. I've been waiting. It's been sitting here staring at me. <laughs> All right, so this week I brought, uh, it's by Tallgrass Brewing Company. It's Vanilla Bean Buffalo Sweat. It sounds disgusting as shit, but it's a oatmeal. Oh. It's an oatmeal cream stout brewed with vanilla beans. Let me tell you, I have had buffalo sweat before. I love buffalo sweat. Now, Tallgrass Beer, I want to say, is out of Kansas. Uh, they're in, out of Manhattan, which what? is... No. Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, Manhattan, Kansas. Okay. It is, like last week, a 5%. Um, this week it is a 12-ounce instead of a 16, so... Yeah, but you're going to wish you had the 16 this week. Yeah, I suppose. Buffalo Sweat. Now, I've had the I've had the base Buffalo Sweat, and it's amazing. It is a great oatmeal cream stout. Vanilla, it... I just... I've been waiting to open this, so let's All do right. this. Oh, that's dark. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a stout. What did you expect? I don't know. That smells like buffalo sweat. And I'm not really smelling vanilla, are you? Mm, not really, but 
Who knows? Give it Cheers. a Cheers. Oh, I taste vanilla. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the coffee taste out of it because, yep. of course, it's the darker one. Oh, I dig it. Oh, yeah. This is... <laughs> Fuck this. I ain't recording. I'm just drinking this. <laughs> no, I enjoyed this one. This, for me, is this is easy a thumbs up. Yeah, this is easy a thumbs up. And you brought more, right? No, I did only bring the two this time. I got more at the house, though, so maybe when we're playing video games some other time. There we go. There we go. We'll try to clear out the fridge of all these other four packs, because every week when we do this, they don't usually sell individuals unless you want to pay through the nose for them. Yeah. So usually they come in either four or six packs. Even though, let me remind you, um, or let me tell you, I did find out that one of the local grocery stores, you can build your own sixer. But it's more expensive. Not really. It's only 10 bucks for a six-pack. Okay, as opposed to, I think I paid $10 for a six-pack of all one that I know I'm going to like. Right. No, I get what you're saying there, but, but it's not really any more expensive. Well, true, I suppose. But, I mean, in this case here, too, I mean, I can get, instead of buying individual ones that I don't know about, I just got a four-pack of this, and then, like, the white trash that we did a couple weeks back, that one I ended up getting a four- or six-pack for. Um, your Surly, we ended up getting a four-pack for. So... I've got all these leftovers. Yeah, I do too. That I've been told by um, the head of the household that I need to start getting rid of. <laughs> so we've been making a lot of boiled brats lately, and yeah, that's one of the ways to do it. Especially, you know, last week we did the surly. Mm -hmm. I am definitely going to use that to boil brats. I haven't yet, but I am going to. I mean, I'm not drinking that shit. <laughs> you know, and I had given it a bar last week. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a correction. Are you going to change it to a thumbs down? I'm going to change it to a thumbs down. I, I'm still burping that from last week. <laughs> that's that's how bad that was sticking with me. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And it got worse as the more you drank of it. Which is normally, it should be the other way around. Usually, like, isn't it like in the Bible, didn't they, like, save the good wine for last? Yeah, because, no, you, served, no, you, you served it first. First, and then the, the crappy one last. Because by that time, nobody cared. And this one is just one of those where it's like, ugh. It just gets worse and worse and worse, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Drink the stuff from this week. It's much better. All right. All right, so you want me to kick this one off? Um, I will, but I'm going to do some trivia first. Ah, oh, you remembered. <laughs> of course I did. All right, so I, I, I mentioned this before, but I'm going to do this again. I actually picked two questions out this week. We're only going to go with one. I did pick two because... If you would have gone with one of the songs, it would have already answered it. We already did that, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. yeah when you already funny. answered it, I'm like, oh, that's a gimme for you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, the 1963 Alan Sherman song, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, the singer is dictating a letter he's written home to his parents from a summer camp. What was the name of the summer camp? I know this. I just... Uh... Well, you're going to have about an hour to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to reread this. Yeah. All right, so the 1963 Alan Sherman song, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, the singer is dictating a letter he's written home to his parents from summer camp. What was the name of the summer camp? So that is your question. I'm going to make note of which one I actually chose. And I think because I started this, you get to kick it off. All right, and I will do so. So the first song I'm going to start with is Tribute by Tenacious D. Now, this is the greatest and best song in the world. Tribute. Now, that opening lyric really sets the scene for what is to come. A rocking, humorous song about a song. The comedy in this one may not be blatant and in your face, but for fans of the D, such as I am, this song is hilarious. So, 
basically they're singing a song in tribute to a song that they sang when they met a shiny demon upon a road and they were forced to sing the great the best and greatest song in the world or the demon would eat their souls so that's motivation yeah and so now they're like they they go to record the song and they're like we can't remember the song now if you've seen the movie it kind of parallels the movie because the movie was made around I don't know if it was the movie was made around the song or the the disc was made around the movie. But anyway, um, why don't we just go ahead and give it a listen? I offer you tribute. This is just a tribute. Couldn't remember. So Tenacious D is an American rock duo that was formed in Los Angeles, California in 1994, composed of lead vocalist and guitarist Jack Black, yes, that Jack Black, Mm -hmm. and lead guitarist and vocalist Kyle Gass. The band has released three albums, Tenacious D in 2001, The Pick of Destiny in 2006, and The Rise of the Phoenix in 2012. So as you can tell, they are not a full-time band. Um, Kyle Gass belongs to a band called Trainwreck. And, of course, Jack Black, he does some acting in Hollywood. A little bit. Yeah. So, Tenacious D studio releases, and as far and as of 2006, its live performances feature a full band lineup, including such musicians as guitarist John Konensky and bassist John Spiker. Now, drummer Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters and Nirvana has played on every studio album. The band first gained popularity in 1997 when they starred in their epin... I hate this freaking word. Eponymous. Eponymous? Eponymous. I don't know. Their television series and began to support large rock acts. In 2001, they released Tenacious D, their debut album featuring a full band. The first single, Tribute, was the band's most successful, achieving their only top ten in any chart until they released The Metal, which was shown on Saturday Night Live. In 2006, they starred in and recorded the soundtrack for the film Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. In support of the film, the band went on a world tour, appearing for the first time with a full band. They released their newest album, Rise of the Phoenix, on May 15, 2012. Tenacious D's music showcased Black's theatrical vocal delivery and Gas's acoustic guitar playing abilities. Critics have described their fusion of vulgar, absurdist comedy with rock music as mock rock. Their songs discuss the duo's purported musical and sexual prowess, as well as their friendship and cannabis usage in a style that music critics have compared with the storyteller-style lyrics of rock opera. It's a hit in my book. Plus, if you want real funny, watch the movie Tenacious D in The Pick of the Destiny. Still alive and kicking today, with a new album slated for 2018. What are your thoughts, Lou? Um, Well, Tenacious D can play. They can sing. They are funny, and having Dave Grohl on all their studio albums is a plus. I guess I just don't understand the popularity. I really didn't. I haven't seen the movie. I'm sure that might help. Uh, it it's funny, but it's not great. It's just I don't know. It just seems kind of amateurish. It's not blatant in your face humor, but you know each each person to their own. And who knows? It's maybe it's one of those things where once if I listen to more of it, if I watch the movie, it'll make more sense and be funnier. 
as opposed to people just quoting it or talking about, you know, kind of like everybody talked about the metal for the longest time. I'm like, okay, whatever. Not funny. <laughs> just like, okay, remember back in the day when Napoleon Dynamite came out? Yeah. And everybody quoted that to death? No. Well, I hated that movie. Well, that's the thing. Everybody quoted it. I watched it. I'm like, this is stupid. So, but then finally later on when the hype died down, I watched it again. I'm like, this is actually kind of funny and it got better and better. It's one of those movies that gets better with each viewing because you notice something you missed. Monty Python's a Holy Grail. Yeah. That's another one where you notice something new. And plus it depends on the group you watch it with. Yes, absolutely. when I first watched that movie, I watched it with a group that were talking about how great it was and everything else. And I'm just like, this is stupid. Although you got to be in the right mood and mindset for Brit comedy. But then with you guys and Teeman... (laughs) <laughs> watched it again and it got funnier and it was a total 180 in my opinion so yeah now i actually did the stage play of that which was a blast i got to um believe it or not i got to play the mother of lancelot I, no i don't remember but somebody's mother in, in the in the show and uh they dragged me out, you know, in peasants' wear and all that kind of stuff. But they let me keep the goatee. Nice, old woman, man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And and it was it was they let me keep the goatee, which was amazing. And it's just so Monty Python, though. But why don't we jump from this to what do you got? All right, I'm gonna go ahead and start with. Let's just get this one out of the way because I know you're not a huge fan. So we're gonna go with because it's midnight by Limousine, and Limousine is spelled M-L-I-M-O-Z-E-E-N. Okay, before you even get started. I'm going to ask you my question because I didn't really write anything up on this, but explain to me why this is comedy music and not just some piss-poor heavy metal song. Now, okay, Limousine was a band that was created by the creators of Homestar Runner who did a comedy uh, web series. Okay. And it is a parody to all hair metal. And in the parody, the parody in itself, it may not be in-your-face money funny, but just the way that they did this and the video especially... The video was funny. It's, I will give you that. It's comical. And yeah. that's, it's just a story behind it in my eyes is why it was a comedy okay. song. So, Limousine, and you just have to say it with the accent, Limousine. <laughs> it was a faux, a faux hair metal band created by Homestar Runner creator Matt and Mike Chapman, also known as the Brothers Chaps, in 2002 as a parody of 80s hair metal bands like Skid Row and Poison. The band is comprised of four blonde guys, all with rhyming first names Larry, Gary, Perry, and Mary. Yes, they called one of the guys Mary. As in M-A-R-Y or M-E-R-R-Y? Oh, M-A-R-Y. Nice. And then it's um, Palarontini, and occasionally their cousins Harry and Terry, who have dark hair, come in as well. Okay. Per their official bio, it's unclear if they're brothers or if they did it like the Ramones, the Donnas, or the Traveling Wilburys, how they did their naming style. Because remember when we talked about the Ramones, you're like, head head explosion, they're not actually brothers. They're just equally ugly. They've released many singles, but the only ones that are really available are Because It's Midnight and Night Mamas. And this, again, it was something that was released through Homestar Runner, Strong Bad Sings, and so on and so forth. Now, let's be real. Limousine is the indie band Y-O-U, so I'm just going to call him U because that name is stupid, with Matt Chapman on the vocals. The lyrics make absolutely no sense, but to be fair, a lot of 80s hair metal was exactly like that. Why don't we go ahead and take a trip on our limousine with Because It's Midnight. Sunset Strip, California, West Hollywood, I'm on a warn ya. Streets, my soldiers, taking a bomb. Bringing the metal back to where it belongs. So the lion and the wings of a bear. I got the heart of a lion and the wings of a bear. 
Now, even if you don't try to read into it, the song actually isn't bad for what it's trying to emulate. Now, Limousine did actually get mainstream exposure because when because it's midnight was it was included on Guitar Hero Encore Rock the 80s in 2007. So they included this song on a video game to play as a guitar. Again, it's not just just like just like your tribute song. It's not going to be in your face comedy, but if you look at what it's parodying, it's pretty entertaining. You know, after listening to what you had to say there, I'll go back, I'll watch it again. See if it changes my mind, but at this point, I just I to me it's not funny, but Fair enough. All right, so let's move on to your next one. All right, so up next I have Dragon Slayer by Ninja Sex Party. A humorous look at the fantasy realm and the so-called Dragon Slayer. But, unlike a lot of bands take on this, the Ninja Sex Party guys use it to pick up a girl at a modern-day party. Trying to beat out the scientist, the football player, and the weightlifter, and he loses out to all of them, plus the dragon and a few other people. Well... Let's hear from the Dragon Slayer himself. That dude is a scientist, but I already cured all diseases last week. And if that's not enough, let me ask, when was the last time one of these things killed a motherfucking mythical beast? So Ninja Sex Party, again, is a band that there's not a lot out on the internet about, but I did find their Facebook page, and they wrote, Comedy band Ninja Sex Party has but one goal, to take your body sweetly by the hand and then rock its face off with amazing music. The band's lead singer, Danny Sexbang, is tender yet firm, sensual yet masculine, and super horny yet not creepy about it. Danny is accompanied on keyboards by his best friend and roommate, Ninja Brian. The ultimate martial arts champion slash electronic music enthusiast. Together they sing songs about love, dinosaurs, relationships, mythical creatures, seduction, and respect. I have to say, it's if you could only see this, when he said slash whatever, he actually did this slashing hand with motion with his hand. It was pretty funny. You will love this band, because if you don't, it's your ass on the line. Well, I guess I'm going to lose some of my ass. <laughs> so, I actually find this a cool song. I really enjoy the change-up from normal geek rock. Instead of trying to take music into the realm of history, they bring that era into the modern day. I really like it. Blue? Now, I gotta say that it's like a training montage done by a boy band. That's kind of the way it sounded to me. Yeah, kinda. I guess I can see that. It is pretty ridiculous. It's pretty entertaining. The end of the song, I think the end of the song is what I laughed at the most. The fact that, not I mean, I'll spoil it, the, the girl and does not pick the Dragon Slayer, right. but picks everybody else at the same time. Plus the dragon. And things that weren't even in the, the song. Yeah, the, the, the manticore. Right. He's not even in the fucking song. <laughs> yeah. So the song was good. I'm not sure if I'm going to go in and listen to more of uh, Ninja Sex Party. The title of the song, the title of the band, entertained me. The song was good, so... I guess we'll just go from there. Okay. What do you got next, man? The next, we're going to go with The Second Week of Deer Camp by Da Youpers. Alright. Now, Da Youpers, which, if you're listening to this and you're in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois maybe, you're going to know these people because it's a Midwest thing. Yep. Anywhere else, you probably, you may, but not necessarily. Da Youpers formed when Jim Hooley declared and Joe Potila in 1975, set up their, get this, dance band. They were a dance band. Okay. 
Yeah, no shit. And before anything else, let me explain what a youper is. Along the northeast border of Wisconsin sits a chunk of land that Michigan still claims as their own, which is known as the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's commonly known as the UP, which if you say it out loud, you can gather why it's called UP people or youpers. Phonetically spelled out Y-O-O-P-E-R-S. So with the education aside, the, the Youpers started off doing musical comedy shows, mostly regionally, and with relevant comedy for that, and included things that local people would find humorous. Their act included and focused on, per their website, theyoopers.com, exaggerating some of the stereotypes that are attributed to the residents of the UP, which would include the dialect and daily activities. They released their first album, Youpanese, <laughs> on July 4th in 1986 on their own label, You Guys, Records. Use Guys Records? You Guys Records. And have put out a record nearly every year, or put out records nearly yearly or every year through their recent release, 21st Century Youpers in Space, in 2006. <laughs> they also own and operate a gift shop near their hometown at Ishpeming called The Youpers Tourist Trap, that also has the Youper and Youper culture stuff, but includes a couple of museums, one of which called Rock Knockers. <laughs> focuses on the minerals and mining which is mainly why michigan kept the land even though residents would rather be wisconsinites because it's big iron and copper up there right yep and the other museum Rock is knockers. is more comical which includes the world's largest chainsaw called big gus and the two holer which is a very special outhouse I'm sure you've probably seen a picture of that before. I think I probably have. They, a lot of times they call it the Polish two-holer. It's like a two-story thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Apparently, the tourist trap was voted the best gift shop in 2015 by Lake Superior Magazine, so they must be doing something right. The second week of Deer Camp came off their second album, 1987's Culture Shock. It talks about a group of guys, either friends or good, either good friends or family, that get together for that magical time of year known as deer season, more specifically gun season, and the going on that happens when you're at said deer camp. Why don't we go ahead and take a special trip into that deer camp? I didn't drink too many, only 30 cans of beer. It must have been that last shot that put me under here. It's the second week of deer camp and all the guys are here. We drink, play cards, and shoot the bull, but never shoot no deer. The only time we leave the camp is when we go for beer. The second week of deer camp is the greatest time of year. Now, the whole song is sung in the Youper dialect, and for anyone who's ever been deer hunting or been to a deer or fishing camp, it really strikes a chord on what really happens when they go away. It got a pretty heavy airplay in the upper Midwest and for parts of northern, north central Pennsylvania, because they have a big deer hunting season, okay, apparently. Okay. The song is just fun. I appreciate the Youpers since I was younger, and they still make me laugh. Um, the Rusty Chevrolet Christmas song was always good, and there's a few other ones, like they do a couple Packer things, and... Yep. Um, something about smelting and fishing and and such in there i've seen him play live i actually got to oh, see nice. him they were at uh weston lanes a few years back and i got the band to the full band signed a cd for me and i got a t-shirt and met him and everything else it was actually pretty cool really down-to-earth people and since the up is really not that far away it's only about 110 miles they're kind of local celebrities and being as how it's only 110 miles to the border of the upper peninsula I kind of want to go to the tourist trap. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think, think that would be a fun. That would be a fun little trip. Hell, you know what? I mean, if Maybe we're it a weekend, 
you know, here's the thing. If we're going to go to the border, because, I mean, basically you hit Green Bay and then you go straight north, go say hi to maybe Don, maybe Al can come up to town, I'll visit bullshit for a little bit, and then head up to the PUP. It's a possibility. So, Don, if you're listening, set something up. <laughs> but, you know, Ishpeming is not just at the border. No, it's a little bit more of a drive, but, hey, it's supposed to be beautiful country up there. It is. Just it not is. in the fucking winter. I I'm went not to, getting stuck in I went a snowdrift. I went to Ishpeming one summer for a Renfest. And I almost hit a fucking moose. A moose? A moose. That is awesome. No, it was kind of scary. You probably had to change your pants after. Is this <laughs> I had a little Dodge Neon at the time. Oh, my God. How did you... Well, you were smaller back then, I Yes, suppose. yes. I mean, now, it'd be a fucking clown car for you. It'd be a clown car for me, and yeah, you're about was, the same size. Yeah, no, no. I agree. So... So what do you think? If you're from the for- frozen north, you know this song. It's a polka style with uh, about a favorite pastime in this part of the U.S., you know, eh? More important than hunting deer, though, is seeing how much beer you can drink. Duh. And since you're drinking so much beer, there's a good chance it's probably really bad beer. I think, actually, in some of their songs, they might even mention some of it. But I don't know. I think in the video, they might even show drinking PBR or something, which means it's not all that bad. Well, there's better beer. Let's just put it that way. There's a hell of a lot worse, too. But this is definitely a classic regional comedy piece. I love this piece of music. It's fun. It brings back the you know the, the whole thing of going hunting and stuff like that. Now, I've been hunting deer hunting several times, but we never did a camp mm. kind of thing. So, But I've talked to people who have deer camps, and it's pretty much what goes on. And there's a lot of what goes on, what goes on there stays there type things. Oh that yeah. Happens too. But I will say this though, this song also is a, it's a nostalgia thing because I remember when they played this on the local radio stations because it was local and everything else. And back before all they played was top 40. So it's a reminder of my childhood thing too. Right. So. All right. So what do you got next? Next up, I got jizz in my pants. Wait, no, that's the name of the song. <laughs> I don't personally of changing your pants. I don't, I don't personally have jizz in my pants, but the name of the song is. Jizz I, in, I never knew you cared. <laughs> is jizz in my pants by the Lonely Island? This song is done in a Swedish style, and and I love it. It seems to be about a horny fourteen-year-old boy. You know where a stiff wind will get you off. Talking about a girl dancing, some girl bagging groceries, and all these things make him jizz in his pants. Well, will this make you jizz in your pants? Moving close as the lasers fly, our bodies touch and the angels cry. Leave this place, go back to yours. Our lips first touch outside your doors. The whole night, what we've got in store. Whisper in my ear that you want some more, and I jizz in my pants. This really never happens, you can take my word. I won't apologize, that's just absurd. Mainly your fault for the way that you dance, and now I jizz in my pants. Don't tell your friends, or I'll say you're a slut. Plus, it's your fault you were rubbing my butt. I'm very sensitive, some would say that's a plus. Now I'll go home and change. God, I fucking hope not. <laughs> the lovely, we are, we do not assume responsibility for your cleaning bills. Yes, not at all. So this Lonely Island... Uh, <laughs> the Lonely Island is an American comedy trio formed by Akiva Schaefer, Andy Samberg, and Jorma Tacone in Berkeley, California in 2001. The trio first met the previous decade in junior high. <sighs> mm, buffalo sweat. After graduating from college, they regrouped and moved to Los Angeles, where they struggled to find work and began making short films combining absurdist comedy and occasionally music. Among the first performers to post their material on the internet, they involved themselves with Channel 101, a non-profit uh, monthly short film festival. 
Their popularity at the screening led to unsuccessful pilot deals with Fox and Comedy Central, but also a writing job for the 2005 MTV Movie Awards. The show's host, Jimmy Fallon, recommended them to Lauren Michaels, the creator of Saturday Night Live. And from there, we all know what happened to Andy Sandberg, and the other two actually are still writers for Saturday Night Live. Huh. So, I really thought this was a funny song, um, in that crude way that, you know, teenage boys talk about shit like this. Yeah. But what, what do you think? Now, the song is funny as much as I detest Andy Sandberg. I think he is a male version of Tina Fey. In the respect that they think they're so funny and hilarious and that everyone should really kiss their ass. Because she's got a high and mighty attitude. And he kind of does too because of his popularity. That being said, he is entertaining. You, if you ever get a chance, there is, uh, Andy Sandberg did a graduation speech at some Ivy League college. Hilarious. Okay. It's about 15 minutes long, but it is worth the listen. Okay. Now, the song itself is hilarious. I personally found it very entertaining. I, I would have actually preferred Dick in a Box or Mother Lover. Mother Lover was pretty good. I think Dick in a Box worked because of Justin Timberlake, though. Right, right. Because um, he can make anything work, let's be honest. I mean, really, what has he done that has failed? Exactly. Wasn't he with Britney Spears? Well, she only failed when she shaved her head. <laughs> but that's come back, too, now. So... But in any respect, no, I enjoyed the song. Not one of my favorites out there because of him being just a self-righteous asshole. But the song is good. Okay. What do you got next? Next, I'm going to go with a little King Tut. Now, that's Steve Martin. I think everyone knows who Steve Martin is, For but for those who don't, here's a brief rundown. He grew up in California. His first job was at Disneyland, which... When he was there, he worked in the Main Street Magic Shop demonstrating tricks. What? You got? Are you looking for something? Just how long your little paragraph is there. Well, if you don't interrupt me, I can get it done quickly. <laughs> Anyways, while he was doing a gig performing magic, juggling, and making blue animals, that's what his job was. I mean, hell, what other, what's, what kind of better job would you want for a summer job? Yeah, true. Uh, he went to Santa Ana College and working for a comedy troupe for a bit before transferring to UCLA. During that time, he was doing stand-up and shortly dropped out of college. One of his first real comedy gigs was being a writer for the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which I totally remember watching the Smothers Brothers. Oh, yeah. What was, was it? Uh, one of them was like big with the yo-yo, weren't they? Yeah. And that, that was just amazing. Yeah, watch. it was Dick and... Tom. Tom and Dick. And mm-hmm. I think Tom was the... The silent one that would... Do the yo-yos, yeah. Okay. So... He actually won a Primetime Emmy in 1969 at age 24 for writing for the Smother Brothers. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. From there, he was in demand and did a lot of other shows, including appearances on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, The Muppet Show, and, of course, Saturday Night Live. Speaking of which, I didn't know he wasn't a regular cast member, but rather always just a special guest. I always thought he was just a cast member. Because no, he was but he was on there. there a lot. Right. In fact, he's got the distinction of being one of the most hosted people hosting it. I think Baldwin's the only one that has hosted it more. Oh, okay. He released his first comedy album, Let's Get Small, in 1977, where it peaked at number 10 on the Billboard 200 and has since gone platinum. From then until 1981, he released four more other comedy albums, all of which charted. Not being content to rest on the success, he started into acting, which was his goal from the beginning. His first substantial role was in the short The Absent-Minded Waiter, which he wrote and starred in and was nominated for an Academy Award for a short yeah. Dude's got like a golden horseshoe up his ass. Apparently. Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. His first feature-length film was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, 
but that was but it wasn't until 1979's The Jerk that his name was cemented as a comic actor who decades of acting also got into drama. Did you know that he was in Sgt. Pepper? I did. Okay, well, I suppose it's a Beatles thing, so yeah. you know everything. It's a horrible movie, though. <laughs> so he's not only active, but he also wrote plays, acclaimed books, in addition to being an accomplished musician. Well known is the fact that Martin is also a man, uh, master of the banjo. He's used it during some of his stand-up, but also focused on his, his recordings with Earl Scruggs, and most recently with the Steep Canyon Rangers, which we talked about with Brian's episode. Yeah, yeah. The guy is still active, and he's all over the place, and he does everything. Now, King Tut. King Tut was performed with the backing band the Toot Uncommons, which was mostly comprised of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Oh, really? That I did not know. I'm just I did like, not either. I even looked it up because I'm just like, that's bullshit. So I looked up and like, holy crap, the names are the same. And it was previewed on Saturday Night Live in 1978 and released on Martin's second comedy album, Wild and Crazy Guy. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen to King Tut. Now, if I had known the lineup just to see him, I'd take it all. Now, the SNL version included Blue, Mar- Blue Lou Marini, who also played with the Blues Brothers. And on the show, the dancers walked like an Egyptian well before the Bengals did it in 1986. King Tut hit number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100, its parent album hitting number 2 on the Billboard's Pop Albums chart. I heard this song on old reruns of SNL as well as on Dr. Demento. It just is silly. I mean, what's there's a whole lot that I don't have to say about There's not a whole lot to say about it, is what I was trying to say in it intelligent way the song may or may not have legit facts even did he eat a crocodile maybe was he born in arizona no condo made a stona kind of yeah if you think about it i really enjoy this i like his banjo work as well so i may have to give more of a listen to the stand-up as well as the bluegrass stuff and a little fun fact is that king tut spent four weeks at the number one position on the radio station wls am's charts in 1978 during the time when the Tut exhibit was on display at Chicago's Field, Musician, uh, Field Museum of Natural History. Nice. So I, I just enjoy this. I, there's not a lot that Steve Martin has done that I don't care for, and this is just hilarious, especially the video from SNL. Born in Arizona, moved to Babylonia. King Tut. Exactly. I love this song, and I have for a long time. Classic Steve Martin Saturday Night Live skit. The pageantry and the sincerity which he used to introduce the music number, and then the music hits, and it was all a swerve. So, it's a loose retelling of the life of King Tutankhamun in the basis for the, or is the basis for the song. Some of the stuff is true in there, most of it is not. Most of it's just Steve Martin rhyming words and making it sound possibly legit (laughs) but i really like this one i really like steve martin i love his stand-up his his movies over the years i mean there's no way i've seen them all oh god no kind of thing but i've seen a good hand good number of them and there's nothing really that i don't like that he does all right so you mentioned parents now or um, not parents but movies so what's the first steve martin movie that comes to your mind aside from the jerk because we already talked about that oh my god uh the man with two brains Okay. The first one that comes to mind for me was, um, oh, God, what was the one with John Candy? Um, 
Planes, Planes trains, and automobiles. That is one of the first ones, or else uh, Parenthood. Parenthood. Parenthood's a good one. And then Father of the Bride. That was the other one. Father of the Bride was okay. I didn't, I didn't love it as much as other people did, but it was okay. They made what two sequels or just yeah one? two. Yeah, I watched the first one and I was just like, eh. I get what you're trying to do. I get the dad thing. I'm sure not as much as you would because I don't have any daughters. But at the same time, it was going to like meet the parents with Ben Stiller where it just everything goes wrong. And it's like, eh, that shit doesn't happen that often as right. the movies make it seem. Oh, so yeah, yeah. let's go ahead and move on to your next one. Now, my next one I know is one that you're really going to love. I Am Cow by the Arrogant Worms. You're a bitch. So with church-like music, we break into basically a description of cows and ways to eat them. I'm a cow eating grass. Methane gas comes out of my ass. I can guess that you are wondering if I lost my mind. The answer is yes, but not because of this. But first, let's be cow. I am cow, here I stand, far and wide upon this land, and I am living everywhere. From BC to Newfoundland, you can squeeze my teats by hand. So the Arrogant Worms are Canadian musical comedy trio that parody many musical genres. They are well known for their humorous onstage banter in addition to their music. The Arrogant Worms come together in came together in 1991 to do a few spots on campus radio station CFRC in Kingston, Ontario, and quickly moved to doing spots on CBC Radio, particularly on Jack Farr's The Radio Show. Since 1992, the troupe has released 14 CDs, their most recent album, the first farewell album, was released in November 2016. Well, at least they're being honest about it. Yeah. The Worms have toured in Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia. Each album consists mostly of independent tracks paying homage, always humorously, to different genres and topics. Two exceptions are the 1997 Live Bait and 2003's conducted CDs, which are live albums comprising... Collections of their best songs. Semi-conducted is performed with the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. Rock, folk, ballads, country, and children's music have all been genres parodied by the Worms. The first time I heard this song, I couldn't stop laughing. Is it idiotic and stupid? Yes. Does it make a lot of sense? No. Do I care? No. Not just no, but hell no. Lou? I'm going to read exactly what my notes are. Okay. Where did you find this? This is awful. It starts off like church, and then we get into the words. I am at a loss. That is literally what I wrote because I have there are no words that I have for this song. This is just fucking awful. It's just one of those songs. I heard it, and I started laughing. I came across it on a list of is that like Christmas, comedy songs. Is that like Christmas Donkey where it's just so stupid that you just are like, wait a second, this is hilarious in its own way, and I don't know why. Yes, maybe. Okay, so that's your Christmas donkey, apparently. <laughs> so the I Am Cow is Chad's Christmas donkey. Got it. All right. So I, I, I don't care for it. I kind of figured that, yeah. What do you got, man? I'm going to go with a little Napoleon the 14th, and we're going to go with They're Coming to Take Me Away, haha. Napoleon 14 is the stage name of American singer and songwriter Jerry Samuels. He recorded his first album, Puppy Love, The Chosen Few, in 1956 and continued writing for other artists 
including co-writing As If I Didn't Know for Adam Wade in 1961, The Shelter of Your Arms for Sammy Davis Jr. in 1964. He became a one-hit wonder with the release of their Coming to Take Me Away Haha in 1966. Warner Brothers released the album named after the song later that year that included other songs that dealt with mental health. So a whole a whole album of mental health songs. Exactly. It sounds kind of kind of entertaining, actually. Yeah, it might be worth a listen anyway. Rhino Records re-released it in 1985, and the album peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and went gold, all on the strength of one song. Number three on the Hot 100. Number three. That's ridiculous. On one song, no yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the definition of a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Samuels is still active as a singer and as a booking agent, of all things. Well, you got to pay the bill somehow. Exactly. So why don't we go ahead and take a quick listen to see if they truly are coming to take us away. Aha. Uh-huh. You know you laughed, I heard you laugh. You laughed, you laughed and laughed and then you left. But now you know I'm utterly mad. And they're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha. To the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away, haha. So they're coming to take me away, haha, is Imagine That, another song that I heard on Dr. Demento. It's a story about a guy whose girl left him and because of which he's lost his mind. Simple as that. Yeah. In fact, he even says, you know, I told you if you leave me, I'm going to flip my lid. And he does. It's a simple drum and tambourine song as well as Samuel's voice coupled with a few sirens for effect. The song is absolutely not great by any means, but it is absolutely a distinction of an earworm. Once it gets in there, it burrows in and you cannot get that fucker out. You're welcome. (laughs) I enjoy this song just because of, again, the nostalgia factor and it's actually pretty entertaining. Yeah, I wrote that this is nostalgia of the Dr. Demento kind. I remember lying in bed at night and listening to this song and so many others. The Doctor would bring us so many great memories and great songs. This is up there with Weird Al's My Bologna and the song Fish Heads. And so I hate many that more. Song. How can you hate Fish Heads? Oh my god, it's just it goes on forever. <laughs> I, I don't know what everybody is Barnes and Barnes, and I just don't know what everybody loved about that song. I mean, they could have cut it in about a half and it would have been It would have been funny. Now, the song that not a lot of people remember was the Let's Blow Up the Tow Truck song. Yeah. Where that one I remember all the time, and I laughed my ass off at that one. It's a guy guy who lived in Minnesota, actually, who wrote it. And he just talks about every time it snows, his car gets towed. So he went on a rampage and blew up tow trucks. Nice. And it's, hey, what are you doing? Get away from there. I warned you. And then they have explosion sound effects. So I absolutely love this song. I do. It's because of the doctor that I love comedy music as much as I do, and this is one of the songs that I remember listening to early, early on. So it's got that kind of nostalgia power to it. Okay, awesome. And I, do, do you remember what time of day that Dr. Mentor was on? It was on late, and I it wasn't was, supposed to be listening. Exactly. It was Sunday night at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, and it went to like midnight. Midnight, yeah. It was 10 to midnight, so of course I had to turn it on real low and keep the stereo on, otherwise I'd get like, shut the radio off! Because it was a school night. Yep. So I uh, just remember that. I'm like, dude, come on. I want to listen to this. And so it's, remember the little funny five jingle they had? They was like, this is it. Now here it comes, number one. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny because it reminds me of um, the way my house was laid out as a kid. Mm. My parents' room was on the other side of the house, up a floor. Okay. So like I was a in split the, level deal? Yeah. So I was in the basement on the other corner of the house. 
So I could listen to it at a relatively decent level. Not that I never got caught, but you know, for the most part, it was it's free and clear. See, when we had a we had a two story, and my room was directly above my parents' room. Ah. And the thing is, too, is the stereo that I had, I had to turn the bass way down because that was what would give you away. It's not the actual treble and the high notes; it's the actual like even slight bass drum action that would really give it away. So I'm like, I'm sitting next to my stereo, and the stereo had like a like a glow to it. Okay. So I could sit there. I'm like sitting there cross-legged for two hours just listening to this stuff. And then I would – it was one of those stereos that would the speakers would fold in. Okay. And so I would just turn it off, close it, and call it a day. So why don't you go ahead and go with your next one, be number nine. All right. So up next, I have Luigi's Ballad by Starbomb. So this love song from <laughs> Luigi to Princess Peach is sweet until – Mario sticks his big fucking mouth into it. <laughs> he is a crude motherfucker in this movie, in this song. There isn't much to the song except the fact that they use a lot of game items and processes as sexual innuendo. So let's listen to Luigi's ballad. What up, bitch? I got a what up, bitch? What's inside the question block? It's my dick. It's a me, a Mario. I'm more Italian than pastrami. I'll take you by the peaches and give you the hot salami. I save you from dragons and evil blues. That I spooky must not be a raccoon to get inside your tanuki. I will melt you like Yoshi and show you things you've never seen. My mushroom's now mega if you know what I mean. So suck it! Mario, Now, Starbomb is an American musical comedy group composed of Dan Avita and Brian Wecht of musical comedy duo Ninja Sex Party, together with Flash animator and internet personality Aaron Hansen. The songs of Starbomb consist of video game parodies. Avadian provides vocals, Wecht produces instrumentals, and Hansen provides rapping vocals. All three are also known as part of YouTube's Let's Play web series Game Grumps. To date, the group has released two studio albums, Starbomb and Player Select, both of which placed on several Billboard charts. Starbomb has also released several musical videos which occasionally feature known internet film and video game fandom personalities such as Markiplier and Ashley Birch. Oh, yes. So... I know you're going to call me out on this, so go ahead, call me out on it. It's, I'm just, the calling out is the fact that I think you're cheating a little bit because Ninja Sex Party and, and Starbomb are basically the same band with one extra person. Okay, and I'm not going to disagree with you, but I am going to tell you this. I did not know that. Okay, and that's I, perfectly until fine. Until I started doing the research. So I started doing I'm, I'm going to give you a pass on that one if you're going to give me a pass on Limousine. I, I'm giving you a pass. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. But I actually took Luigi's Ballad because Luigi was always one of my favorite, you know, characters. Were you always player two? I was always player two. Who was the player one? Was it Joel? No, we didn't actually have a Nintendo. We had to go to the neighbor's house. So, well, of course, if you're visiting, you're always number two. Exactly. But Luigi was always my favorite. I liked the way his little legs went faster than Mario's and, you know, just the, all the little silly things you pick up when you play video games. I don't know. What did you think of the song, though? Well, I'm just going to get into the Luigi thing. I mean, my name being Louis, Louis, whatever, Luigi is personal for me because I am Luigi. I'm a gamer. I'm, I was never player two because I was the, pretty much the player one because I was the only one who played. Did you ever play two player and just play both by yourself to see which one you could do better at? Dude, I've got two hands. You need two hands to hold the controller. How the hell are you going to do that? Well, because didn't you take turns on the original Mario Brothers? 
Oh, you, Mario would oh, go, okay. and then Luigi would go? No, no, I would just play the single player because I didn't want to hook up a second controller if I didn't have to. <laughs> now, before even before hearing it, I liked it mainly because of the title, Luigi's Ballad. I mean, this has got to be awesome. And then I started into it, <laughs> I just listened to it, it sounds all interesting, it's all nice and whatever else, and Luigi's talking, and and then all of a sudden it kicks in, and I'm like, oh, oh wow, okay, it's not radio friendly at all, but it is funny, Mario's a perv, Luigi's a softer spoken dork, and the princess digs spotted dick. And you, you'll know exactly what I mean if you finish the whole song. Well, I was just going to say, that is one of my favorite lines in the song, is they're like, damn it, Peach, pick, who do you pick? Mm-hmm. And she's like... I pick Toad. His like, whole body's a dick. Yeah. They're like, Toad? Why? And he's, she's like, his whole body's shaped like a dick. And they're like, yeah. Can you, can you, and just, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to take it that far. Okay. Can you imagine her like squatting down? <laughs> yeah. Cause you see, I mean, I'm sure you, you'd be lying to me if you told me you'd never seen porn before. Yeah. Okay. Like the ones where they show like the, the girl that's in the yeah. car with the stick shift or like the banister of the bed. Can you imagine Peach with Toad? I try not to, man. It's, it's I cartoon. told you I was gonna go there. It's cartoons, dude. That'd be like that'd be like picturing strawberry shortcake in that round, brown fuzzy ball thing with the long nose doing it. It just well just... now I am. <laughs> Sparkles, I think they're called, by the way. Whatever. I think my sister had a sparkle because she didn't get the strawberry shortcake, but she had a sparkle. Oh, okay. All right, so no, I enjoyed it. I'm not sure how much more I'm gonna go through because it just kind of. It's worth checking out. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and go my next one. The next one is going to be called Ode to My Car by Adam Sandler. Adam Richard Sandler, such a nice boy, has been in the public eye since getting a start as one of Theo's friends on The Cosby Show. I did not know that. Really? I need to go back and watch <laughs> The Cosby Show because I want to yeah, see Yeah, I, I, I don't remember that. And you know you can actually get like the full se- series of The Cosby Show for like 20 bucks. I'm in. I would absolutely be in because this show, I don't care who you are, everybody watched The Cosby Show. Yep. It got shitty when Olivia came on. Yeah. But the show itself, and like when Sandra brought her husband Alvin or whatever. Oh, Alvin was such a douche. He was an absolute douche. But before that, the show was great. You know, I really still liked it when Raven was on there. She was okay. As a little girl, I thought Raven was amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. She's grown up now, and she's oh, she annoys the fuck out of me. But I think Raven, because they always bring on every show brings on little kids to extend its life. Right. Full House, for example, you know Jesse had twins, yep. brought it on to extend the life because Michelle wasn't cute anymore. Um, Raven came on because Rudy wasn't cute anymore. Right. And then Olivia came on because Raven wasn't cute anymore. I think Raven was okay, but it was kind of the death knell and kind of jumped the shark. Yeah, I would agree. So moving on. And again, everybody didn't. Everybody loved that show. So he was also stud boy slash trivia delinquent on the vastly underrated MTV game show Remote Control. I loved Remote Control. Dude, I just watched an episode on YouTube the other day. Oh. And I'm just like, this is so terrible. They showed some dude with a mullet and like the terrible like uh, teenage mustache. Oh, like that, like that. I want to be a porn star, but I can't grow a mustache. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, that dude knew his shit. Yeah. And he won like a Subaru like hatchback or some shit. It was hilarious. Some of the prizes were great. His film debut was the stinker 1989 going overboard. But shortly after which he got enough notoriety that he started doing standup where his fate was intervened. He was discovered by Dennis Miller and recommended to grand Pooba, Lorne Michaels. Yep. 
He was hired initially as a writer and then became one of the prime guys leading to a successful run of the weekend show in the early to mid-90s. While on the SNL crew, he put out comedy CDs. His second, 1996's What the Hell Happened Me, included the song we'll be talking about in just a moment. Four out of five of his comedy CDs have gone gold or better, which is pretty good for comedy CDs. Yeah, absolutely. Not one to rest on the same stuff over and over, and I know that was a joke. He took more of an interest in movies, and over time, with fellow castmates such as um, as Coneheads, Chris Farley, David Spade, and Phil Hartman, and Billy Madison, Chris Farley, Norm MacDonald, and Robert Smigel. Combining the names of his two comedies, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, he formed the production company Happy Madison, which has produced many of the Friends of Sandler comedies. Yep. Joe Dirt, Deuce Bigelow, Grandma's Boy, The Benchwarmers, and House Bunny, just to name a few. His comedies don't garner the same critical acclaim that his dramas do, but that's because comedies do get a little lowbrow, and critics, to be honest, don't care about comedies. Sandler has continued to act both in front of the camera as recently as 2017's Sandy Wexler and behind the microphone for voice work. He played Dracula in three Hotel Transylvania animated films. I can't believe I'm going to admit this in, uh, on, the, on the air, but I love those movies. I haven't seen the... I actually don't even say it. Yeah. I don't even think I've seen all of them. I've seen snippets of the first one, and it was kind of decent. I thought the first one was amazing. The second one was good. The Three third, comes out this year, I think, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, third one comes out this year. And I'm looking forward to it, but I still got to say one of my favorite lines in all the mo- all the Transylvania movies is, I do not say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think they use that one on the commercials all the time. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I'll be honest, it's, doesn't it disappointing when you see commercials for a movie and they ruin all the good Good parts? stuff? Oh, I hate that. That's, that's why I attend. If it's a movie, and you know this, if it's a movie I really want to see... I don't watch trailers. I may watch one just to get a, like, when Deadpool was coming out. I watched one Deadpool one just to see what it was going to be about and how they filmed it. And I'm like, oh, this is I watched awesome. the one teaser trailer for Deadpool 2. I won't watch any more. Oh, the one where they're all sitting at the Thanksgiving table? No. The uh, one where Bob they're... Ross. No, he's mugging an old... This old lady's getting mugged. <laughs> he's fucking around in a phone booth. Who's trying to change into his Deadpool, yeah. I will have to say regarding that movie though, they, I think it's jo- Josh Brolin who's doing Cable. Okay. He looks badass. Does he? Oh yeah. I cannot... It comes out in like July, doesn't it? Uh, June of this year. Yeah. Cannot wait. Yes, I. I I actually have my. I went through a website. We got to do opening night. Midnight oh, opening night. Yep. Which we what Thursday maybe? Probably a Thursday night. Yeah. No, I went through because I was uh, at work the other day on my break and I was bored. And went through a coming soon in 2018 movies that are coming out. And I put them all in my calendar so I know what day of the week they're actually Oh, nice. Out. I want to see the new Super Troopers. Comes out on April 20th, 420. I saw another ad for that. Looks pretty damn hilarious. All right. There's two or three more X-Men movies coming out. Yeah. There's Deadpool. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that looks like it's coming out this year. Yeah. But in any respect, I think we deviated just a little bit here. Well, let's Maybe. get back to Adam Sandler and the Ode to His Car, which is also known as Piece of Shit Car. Okay, I, that was actually one of my questions, because the name you had given me was Piece of Shit Car, and I'm like, and now you're calling it Ode to Car, and I'm like, I, I, I are reali- you trying to be nice? No, no, I realized it after I had written this that the official name is Ode to My Car. Okay. But everybody knows it as Piece of Shit Car. Because so, that's what he calls it in pretty much the whole song. And repeatedly. So yeah. let's go ahead and repeatedly listen to him, well, not in the clip, but hear him talk about his Piece of Shit Car. And I got no fucking brakes. I'm always way out of control Eleven times a day I hear, hey, 
Watch it, asshole. You fucking piece of shit. Piece of shit. I got a piece of shit. You got a piece of shit. Diesel gas sucks my ass. Now, everyone's had their first beater car. No one has had a car this bad. I don't think, at least. No, I mean, my, my first car had a ninth. Do you remember what your first car was? I do, because I, I've only actually, my first car was in 2003. Okay. So, I mean, I've only had a car for, what, what is it, 14 years? Yeah. My first car was a 1984 Plymouth Grand Fury retired cop cruiser oh nice i had a 409 under the hood i'm sorry i'm just thinking of the blues brothers it's got cop shocks and cop wheels and cop windows <laughs> i used to take this thing down to uh marathon and race against the trucks nice it, you fucking redneck <laughs> it was a killer car until the electrical system went okay yeah no my first was a 2004 no that can't be right it was a it was a later model. I mean, I know it wasn't that new of a car, um, but it was a um, a Dodge. Uh, I'm sorry, Ford Escort. Okay. And no, it was it was an 03, but it only had like forty two thousand miles on it when I got it. So and it was five grand. I mean, I got a really good deal on it. Yeah. And then wrecked it because some asshole turned in front of me and I had to T-bone him. And then my other, my I've only owned two cars in my life. Uh, my second one was a silver Saturn L three hundred. Which I called Norin, as in Norin Rad, the Silver Surfer. <laughs> so, and have you? Did you name your cars at all? Uh, not until I got married. Then okay. the wife kind of brought that in. Right now, currently, we have a 2008 Chevy Cobalt, mm-hmm. known as Nelly. Okay. And we have a 2012 uh, uh, Hyundai Veracruz, which is known as Chester. Are there reasons behind these names? No. Just random names? It's just what we gave them. Okay. My first car <laughs> was called Fuhugu Gods. Fuhugu Gods? Yes. And that's going back to Homestar Runner because there's a song where it's like, come on, Fuhugu Gods, you can do it. And he's <laughs> talking about that. So um, Everybody to the Limit is the name of the song, but it's like, come on, Fuhugu Gods. And I couldn't get it to fit on a license plate. Otherwise, I probably would have done that. But it's all just random bullshit. I'll show you the, the video sometime. All right. But anyways... I didn't have a piece of shit car as my first one, especially one as bad as he talks about on here. The song goes over the biggest hunk of barely roadworthy trash ever put together and how it's impacting his life, image, and even his romantic endeavors, including he never ever get to pussy. <laughs> Definitely not for underage years. The song is pretty funny, even if the fading in and out accent gets a bit grating, because it kind of does. It's kind of like an Indian-ish sort of. I called it reggae. Right. Reggae, Indian-ish, whatever. And just everything that wrong, that's wrong with this car is fucking hilarious. Too wide for drive through 17 different colors, rag for a gas cap, broken windshield. I mean, this thing is just a piece of shit. It really yeah, is. Yeah. So what are you thinking? I, I said it's a reggae-style song by Adam Sandler. He's bemoaning the issues he's having with his car. It's funny, but Adam cannot pull off a reggae sound. The dude is too white. Not a bad attempt, not his best work, but funny. I will give you that it is funny. Okay. So what do you got for our next one? So up next, I have Three Little Pigs by Green Jello. This is a unique retelling of the Three Little Pigs nursery rhyme, set to some very heavy music. They go through all three standards of the rhyme, and then they get to the third little piggy, who was an architect. The big bad wolf can't blow down his house, so they call 911 
And of all people, Rambo is sent out and he wastes the big bad wolf. Let's sit in the uh, concrete house and listen to Green Jello. it interesting that you did green jello versus green jelly and there's a reason behind that okay so green jello which is spelled j-e-l-l-y with umlauts over it is pronounced according to the band as green jello is an american comedy rock band formed in 1981 now they originally called themselves green jello the band changed its name due to legal pressure from Kraft foods the owners of the jello trademark who claimed that it was an infringement of their trademark Despite the spelling differences, the new name and the old are pronounced identically. How are no, they pronounced? Identically. Identically. <laughs> identically. The same. There you go. <laughs> Known for sophomoric humor, theatrical performances, and intentionally crude musicianship, Green Jello has had hundreds of members during the band's existence, with vocalist Bill Manspeaker the only constant member throughout. The band's early 1990s lineup during their most popular phase, Serial Killer, included several musicians who went on to appear in other major 1990 acts, most notably Tool. Really? Yeah. Their biggest hit was the single The Three Little Pigs, adapted from the nursery rhyme. The final line of the song wraps it up nicely, and the moral of the story is, a band with no talent can easily amuse idiots with a stupid puppet show. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this song? I love this song. I remember I was introduced to Green Jelly Jello um, back in the day. In fact, the friend of mine who introduced me to this actually had one of the pressings of the CD that had the original spelling of it with the O. I had it on cassette tape. Yeah, and this one had, in fact, I think it's still a VHS tape of the videos. Oh, okay. Um, but no, he had the original one back there. And then, of course, by the time I got into it, they spelled it with the Y and it's not the collector or anything. But I've got their first two. Their second one was, I think, called 333 instead of 666. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I've enjoyed them. Their comedy, they're kind of like a lighter version of Guar a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And And they don't take themselves as seriously as Guar does. No, no, no. In fact, actually in um, 333, they actually did a couple, like, not heavy songs and actually some legit songs. There's just, there's one called Jump that's, you know, kids jump when they're happy, adults jump when they're sad. I mean, they got some really profound lyrics on it, and... Getting back to Three Little Pigs, it's just a funny song. I mean, the story is just ridiculous. There's Pig Nugent. Daddy was a rock star named Pig Nugent. And, Ted, you know, Ted. It was Pig Nugent. Yeah, Pig Nugent. That's, yeah, why, right. that's the architect pig, I think. Yeah. And then there was the stoner pig and then the, uh, uh, oh, God, what was the The th- farm boy. The farm boy, that's right. Yeah. So, and then the, the wolf drives up on his big bad Harley. <laughs> so it's just an entertaining song. I mean, Token may- on some Marley. Exactly. Um, it's not something that you could probably get into all their stuff right away. You definitely want to ease into it yeah. because it's definitely unique. But Three Little Pigs is a good place to start. Although Serial Killer is pretty damn funny. The Toucan Son of Sam. Toucan <laughs> Son of Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Although, yeah. if you want a decent one that's a little yelly, but it's still a good one too, Electric Harley House of Love is a really oh, good one yeah, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially when they rip off Metallica. <laughs> all right, so what do you got next, man? All right, my next one. 
and actually I'm just going to go, because I don't even think I really said one here, metal retelling of classic children's tale with pop culture references such as Rambo. Even though they admittedly, self-admittedly suck, I enjoy them. Yeah. So yeah. that was my official opinion, so. Okay. Now we'll move on. So my next one is the Curly Shuffle by the Jump in the Saddle Band. Hey, Mo! <laughs> exactly. The Jump in the Saddle Band was a country pop band that formed in Chicago, Illinois, feature, uh, comprised of Peter Quinn. Wasn't that the name of Star-Lord from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? It might be. Or is it Quill? Peter. No, I think it was Peter Quinn. Uh, either way. Uh, T.C. Furlong, Barney Schwartz, Tom Shoes, Trinka, Rich Gorley, and Vincent D. D.E.E. Quinn wrote the Curly Shuffle as a tribute to the Three Stooges. The song gained regional popularity in 1983. Someone from Atlanta Records must have heard it because they were offered a contract after re-releasing the song in 1984. That year, they released their self-titled debut album, which was mostly covers. Atlantic wanted them to do a follow-up album in 1984, recording the, uh, excuse me, recording the song "Shaving Cream" as their next single, which we all know about that song. The band really didn't want to do it, but they did it anyways, including lyrics that weren't exactly making Atlantic appear in a favorable light. So, not surprisingly, they were dropped. What? You know, right? Even though they didn't get the national attention from that point forward, they still continued to perform in Chicago doing gigs as um, as recently as the 2000s. Wow. In addition to Quinn being part of the band, the blues band Skip Town and the Greyhounds. I did not know they were from Chicago. That was one of the first things. That I, I agree. I did not know that either. No, the Curly Shuffle, as a fan of the Three Stooges, how can you not get into this swing style song? It was released nearly around the time that the Three Stooges got their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1983, and it hit the number 15 mark on the U.S. Billboard chart in 1984. The video for the song takes clips from the many of the short comedy specials from the boys, and Quinn did the curly phrases in the song. Let's go ahead and take a listen to our favorite knucklehead singing about the curly shuffle. Well, me and my friends love Larry and Mo. We love Curly's brother Shemp and his fat clone Joe. It's such a delight to boogie and hustle, dancing all night doing the Curly Shuffle. Hey Mo, hey Mo, hey Mo, hey Mo. Well, uh, yuck, 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 yuck. Now, like many of the comedy songs out there, I heard this one on Dr. Demento and immediately fell in love with it. I adore the Three Stooges. I've been a fan since day one. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with you there. There's always been a soft spot for them, and the song just makes me think of all the hilarious hijinks that I've watched them get into as a child and still watch them as an adult. I still laugh when hearing the song and watching them perform. Aside from the shorts, there was a significant Stooges biopic, Mel Gibson, a huge fan, executive produced, the TV movie in 2000 with Michael Chiklis... You know, the guy from The Commish? Yeah. As Curly. And as far as full-length Stooge comedy movies, there are plenty from back in the day, as well as the, or such as, The Three Stooges Meet Hercules and Three Stooges in Orbit, which some of those were just terrible. Oh, yeah. But they were taking something that was... Meant to be short. Short, yeah, and trying to... Now, one can't forget about the 2012 Fairly Brothers reboot, either. The movie starred Sean Hayes, Jack from Will and Grace, as Larry, Will Sasso, which is a comedian from Mad TV, and Chris Diamantopoulos, who was Rob Weiss in 24 and was recently Old Man Parker in the Christmas Story Live TV movie that was put on. And quite a few other big names such as Larry, Davil, Larry David, Sophia Vergara, and Brian Doyle Murray. Was the movie great? No, it really wasn't. Was it a decent tribute to the movie, or to the boys? Certainly. 
I thought it was decent. They, Certainly. Exactly. No, the way that they played it out worked out pretty well. And I think Sean Hayes as Larry was great. Yeah, I thought there was there was definitely some high points in that movie. Um, but the song, the high, it's a high-energy song. It brings Curly of the Three Stooges into the spotlight, which is where he really needed to be. I mean, when you actually look at the old shows and stuff, Moe was supposed to be the, the guy. Leader. The, the leader. But Curly was really the guy that everybody... You know, really came kind into, of identified with. Yeah, most. I mean, I mean, who was the favorite of the Stooges? Curly, right? Curly was because he was one of the funniest. I personally kind of resonated towards Larry because he was kind of more the calm, even-headed one, and it didn't hurt that his real name was Lewis either. Oh, see, yeah, there you go with that name thing again. So <laughs> I really love this jazzy, swingy song uh, about things that Curly had done during the old shows. Now, the Three Stooges is definitely a guy thing for the most part. I've never really met a girl that likes the Stooges. My wife and daughters actively dislike them. <laughs> but I love this song. I love the Stooges. I used They used to be on, like, Sunday mornings. Oh, God, they, they're still on now. I are think they? it's, like, on TMC. Uh, yeah, I don't get cable anymore. Well, there are certain channels that they're still on. I think, actually, on Crackle, maybe. Oh, okay. I'll have I to think, check that out. I cause... think the app still has them. I mean, I could spend hours watching it. It's oh, yeah. the same stuff. But like one of my well, it's slapstick. It is, and just I'm sorry, I told you about this one before. They had a Thanksgiving one where Curly's in the kitchen, like preparing a stuffed turkey, and one of them said, and one of the instructions says, "Dice the potatoes." So he like shakes them like dice and rolls them on the table. Yes. <laughs> one of them says she like shave ice, so he's like putting shaving cream on it and shaving it with a straight razor. <laughs> it's what? ridiculous and it's stupid, but it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, what is your last one? My last one is Death to All But Metal by Steel Panther. Now, this song may not be comedy in its purest form, but it fucking makes me laugh. It's about how pop music, rap, and other forms of music are less than the superior heavy metal. The video is is amazing. Sarah Silverman makes an appearance as the teacher in the video. Like a lot of heavy metal music, this is not a thinker. Best line in the video is actually after the lead singer, Satchel, is done talking to Sarah and then walking away. Because she pissed him off, he says, I was going to fuck her, but now I'm not. Raise your hands and scream with me. Death to all but metal. <laughs> Get out the Papa Roach, Blink-182. All this fucking pussy sound like Doggy 2. Wearing baggy pants, backing up the hair. The knob with the crust on my underwear. So Steel Panther is an American comedic glam metal band from Los Angeles, California, mostly known for their profane and humorous lyrics, as well as their exaggerated onstage persona that parody the stereotypical 1980s glam metal lifestyle. Steel Panther is still touring heavily. Uh, they are currently in the UK rounding out their current are uh, rounding out that tour. They're getting ready to tour uh, for to do a tour for the Sunset Strip uh, starting in early March. And they're going to end their current tour on August 8th in Sturgis, South Dakota. Really? Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Uh, you know, I think I had heard of them before um, Before this. I think I heard the name, but I really didn't listen to anything by them. When I heard Steel Panther, I thought of Sex Panther from the per- cologne from 
Anchorman. Okay, yeah. So I'm just like, oh, this is just going to be stupid. And then I saw the title, I'm like, okay, whatever. But then I put it in and listened to it, and it started off hard, it started off fast, and the song just did not let up. I loved this song. I know they're a comedy band, but I am absolutely going to go ahead and check more of this stuff out. Oh, absolutely. I gotta. I definitely got to listen to more than this. Did we listen to the clip on this? Yeah. I didn't remember us taking a break for that. Yeah, where I said death to all but metal. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, and then there was a break. Well, I know there's a break, but I thought you were just catching your breath. What, I get out of breath by talking? I do sometimes, and so do you. Don't fucking lie. I get out of breath by eating sometimes. You ever get the meat sweats? Oh. <laughs> anyway, yes, we did listen to it. Should we listen to it again just to make sure? I would agree. I think even if we did listen to it once, we should listen to it a second because that's how much this song rocks. Okay, we'll listen. Get the Papa Roach, Blink 182. All this fucking pussy sound like talking to. Wearing baggy pants, backing up the hair. The knob was the cross on my underwear. All right, so what do you got next? All right, we're going to round this one out with a little song called Asshole by Dennis Leary. I've been waiting. I waited for the last one on this one. I kind of figured. All right, so Dennis Colin Leary. I mean, how much more of an Irish name can you fucking get? The dude looks Irish. You see him and you're like, I know motherfucker's that. Irish. Exactly. I'm just a Boston <laughs> Irishman. Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. American comedian, actor, and writer who got his start doing comedy in Boston in the 80s. His first gig, finger quotes, was working as part of the Rascals Comedy Hour in 1990, a show filmed at the Rascals Comedy Club in Boston, Massachusetts. He had small guest appearances on MTV's game show Remote Control. Yep, I remember him from there. And he really gained a following doing one of his rants, which turned MTV or turned into MTV commercials. He released his first stand-up album, No Cure for Cancer, in 1993 to generally positive reviews. Between his stand-up, he also delved into writing as well as acting, performing in more than 40 movies. I did not know he did that many movies. Oh, God. My favorite movie is probably one of his least well-known movies. Have you ever seen the movie The Ref? I, I enjoyed that one where he broke in <sighs> with the couple. Yeah. I liked, that has got to be my favorite Dennis Leary movie. I liked him in Demolition Man. Yeah, he was good in that. As Edgar Friendly. Yeah. And actually, that's what I mentioned. From summer blockbusters like Demolition Man and The Amazing Spider-Man, that recent one, he was uh, Captain Stacy. Yes. Two animated family films like A Bug's Life and the Ice Age franchise as Diego the Sabretooth Tiger. Yep. He created the Leary Firefighters Foundation after his cousin and close friend were killed in a fire in his hometown. Of course, fame usually doesn't come without some controversy, and the big one was plagiarism. There were accusers that say he stole much of his much of comedian Bill Hicks's stand-up, including much of No Cure for Cancer. Then there was Louis C.K., who in 2008 claimed the I'm an asshole routine was stolen from him, but with his, among many other celebrities recently, conduct being put under scrutiny for being inappropriate, who knows if he's telling the truth or if at the time he was just really trying to move his own career forward, because this is before he really actually hit it. Right. Now, a couple other things. At the first, the first thing I have to say is that material is shared or stolen by comedians all the time. I mean, do you remember back in the day when all the comedians did the "This is your brain on drugs"? Well, excuse me, isn't that an egg? Every fucking comedian did that joke. Yep. Period. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then the second one is: is how is, or how is it that being an asshole can be claimed in your act and being trademarked? So you're saying that being a New Yorker or East Coaster is a trademark? No, get it over yourself, Louis C.K. 
Now, that being said, the saying you are an asshole, you know, by him saying that, I should say, is him being an asshole, not actually doing it in a comedic way. Right. So, moving on, the song was included on Leary's No Cure for Cancer album and featured voice actor Chris Phillips, who worked with Leary on other albums, as well as a ton of voice acting, ranging from Cartoon Network to Nickelodeon shows like Doug, to video games such as Grand Theft Auto 3. The song goes on about a normal guy who does dickish things that people hate, such as pissing on public toilets and driving slow in the fast lane. Let's go ahead and see if you are, too, an asshole. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane while people behind me are going insane. I'm an I use public toilets and I piss on the seat. I walk around in the summertime saying, how about this heat? I'm an I am, I am. I don't need to really... I, everyone already... Anyone who knows us already knows the answer. That's true. Now, it's typical Leary, Leary material with language and attitude despair. The song is hilarious, and I think all of us can relate to this at least in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm sorry, but pissing on the seats, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Especially, I work in a blue-collar or in a white-collar like office setting, and people still do that. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? God, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just like the people who don't wash their hands after you go to the bathroom. I mean, or the people that go, they're like, yeah, I can, uh, I can piss into that little hole and not get it on. Well, you know what? There's that, there's that pressure time in between mm. beginning and end. You're gonna hit the toilet seat. Or the people who like microwave fish. Oh. <laughs> well, me being allergic to fish, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I have one girl in the office who. She she will bring fish occasionally, and she always says to me, "Is it okay?" And, it, and it's fine because it's one of the you know the meals it's got just happens to have, mm. and those don't seem to bother me. But she asked at least, right? You know, and it's it sucks because then I spend the rest of the afternoon smelling some fish. But right, and it's, it's and again too a lot of the things on here too you know like parking in handicapped spaces and driving. Well, handicapped people make, make handicapped, handicapped faces. faces, and just a lot of the stuff that's on here is just. You want to throttle somebody for it, but he sings about it in a comedic way, and I I enjoy this song. This is one of my drinking songs from college, actually. Um, me and three other guys, whenever we would get loaded, it would be this one and Friends in Low Places and um, the the rodeo song by Gary Lee in the Showdown. Okay. The, the forty below and I don't give a fuck song. We would we would be loaded, but we know the words, including to the rant. We would still be able to do that with having a complete bag on. That's how much we enjoy the song. And howling this on Saturday night after like a case of beer each, our neighbors didn't care for it, but we had a good time. <laughs> yeah, so best song on the list, hands down. I was introduced to Dennis Leary and this song from his album, No Cure for Cancer. The song just makes me laugh. He is seeing and quote-unquote doing things that we would all love to do. Instead of recycling or paying attention to the earth, wouldn't it just be great to whip your garbage out the window? Yes, you would be an asshole but it would be easier. There's a goddamn... Uh, sorry. There's not a goddamn thing anyone can do about it. Want to know why? Because we got the bomb. Okay? <laughs> I, I mean, there's just parts of this that are just like forever. You will be 90 years old in an old folks' home, and somebody will say something, you'll think, Dennis Leary's asshole. Mm -hmm. Wait. You might think about Dennis Leary's asshole, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I just love this song. I really do. Um... 
I don't have much more to say about it than that. It's just you know, and if I'm, if Scott's gonna listen to this, he's gonna probably be grinning from ear to ear when we're talking about this too. Oh yeah, Mr. Boston himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so we're finished with this one here. Let's go ahead and go back to trivia, which I have a feeling you're gonna be getting right this week, if I remember it correctly. All right, so. Then the question was, in 1963, Alan Sherman wrote the song Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, and the singer dictates a letter that he's written home to his parents from a summer camp. What was the name of the summer camp? Camp Granada? You're exactly right. Okay. So you are correct on that one. That, you, no, 13 and 10. You are right. 13 mm. and 10. Now, just because, and this is another comedy one. Okay. This, isn't, uh, this is off the record. So here's our other one. Do you remember a song called Beep Beep? His car went beep, beep, beep. Oh, yes. Okay. In the 1958 Playmate song Beep Beep, the singer is driving a fancy car and is about to be passed by another less fancy car. What was either type of the car that the drivers were driving? God. um, And you'll even get a bonus point if you know both. One was a Nash Rambler. Okay. That was the one that was trying to pass, I believe. Um, and I want to say the other one was a Cadillac, but I'm... You're right. Oh, nice! You, good thing. Too bad it wasn't for points. I know. You I was, give I me was, the point. I was surprised that you knew the Nash Rambler before the Cadillac, to be quite honest. Why? Because it's a song about a little Nash Rambler. I get that, but at the same time, that's that's not the part that I would have remembered. <laughs> but So that would have been if you would have chosen that. So, you are up one for this week. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. All right, so if you want to reach out to us and let us know what you think about this episode or any of our other episodes, there are several ways to do that. They are all very easy. First of all, you can reach out to us on email. Drop us a line at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com or at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. More info to come on that. Or you can also find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. Either way, drop us a line out there. We'll get back to you on that as well. And finally, we have Twitter. Lou, tell us about Twitter. We do, and Twitter is going to be MCPodcast17. So if you want to give us some love, give us some hate, send us a playlist of 14 different artists by 14 different songs. Or Stop. Stop. Back that. up. Reverse that. And move forward. Exactly. So 14 different songs by 14 different artists. Um, be prepared to send us the music in case we can't find it, but we'll be more than happy to talk about the songs that you go in there and send over to us. Sounds great. All right. So with that, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.